The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. So this morning we're uh, in the book of James, starting with chapter 3, uh, verse 1. The, the title is Taming the Tongue. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? So uh, James 3, 1, and it'll be up on the screen if you need that. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it's a restless evil full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of god from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Again, my name is Tanner Olson. I currently get to serve as missionary of discipleship at Axe Church, Antioch, a church that you all planted. Uh, And so it's really good to be with you guys um, this morning. I'm also, like you said, I'm a writer and a poet. And so this morning we're focusing on words, and words are a huge part of my life. Uh, If it wasn't for words, I would probably just be standing up here and it would be completely silent. And that would be awkward for all of us, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, But this morning we're talking about words, continuing in this series, Practical Faith, a faith that works. See, the book of James, uh, it provides us with this practical insights into the complexities of life as a follower of Jesus. And what we talk about this morning will sound sound somewhat law-heavy. But the words of James come to us as a response to the gospel, like a response to the open tomb, us as followers of Jesus. And so as a church, you are in now chapter 3 of James. And so up to this point, you've seen and read how to be doers and not just hearers of the word, called to love and show no favoritism since Christ gave all, gave his life for all. And how our words towards others, how our works towards others are a natural expression of the faith that God has given to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. And this morning as we talk, I want for us to focus on the power of our words, to focus on the power of our words, what we are communicating, because we're always communicating something, and then the importance of our words as well. And we read this from James, and he's teaching us how we are to present ourselves as Christians, as followers of Jesus, how we are to live our lives as a response to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He's teaching us how to live out our faith, how we respond with our lives to the open tomb. 
And so this small five-chapter book is full of so much insight for us. Through wisdom, we are being taught how to live out our faith, and this is big. And if you've ever tried to do anything big in your life, you've probably been given many suggestions or advice on how to do it, whether that's as big as going somewhere to breakfast or as small as going off to college, right? Uh, after my, my now wife and I got engaged, we were given uh, a lot of congratulations, and that was great, but our congratulations was all, also came with advice and suggestions as to how we should get married, what kind of flowers we should have, where we should get married, the day that we should get married, the first kiss, how that was supposed to go. So things got kind of weird, but we were given all this advice and all these different suggestions as to how we were to get married. And if you're like me, and maybe you are, you don't like to be told what to do. You don't like to be told how to live your life. And so if someone tries to tell you how to do that, you quickly just say, thanks, I appreciate that, and and walk the other way. And at first glance, this is kind of how James comes off to us, telling us how we should do this, how we should live our lives, how we should act, how we should respond to what Jesus has done. And he does this, especially this morning, we see in our speech. And if we listen and if we read close, we hear this biblical truth, the love and the wisdom flow from his strict yet encouraging words. See, James was the half-brother of Jesus, and yet before Jesus' death on the cross, James was not one of his followers. James was not a faithful disciple of his brother Jesus. He wasn't with Jesus in the upper room when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He wasn't waiting at the tomb, waiting for Jesus to come out. Prior to the resurrection, James was skeptical of the truth his perfect brother confessed. And yet after the resurrection... After Jesus died, came back, he appeared to those who needed to see him most. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, we read that then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. James was converted after the resurrection, just like Paul, the apostle Paul, was converted after the resurrection. And I got to think, this was kind of an incredible encounter between Jesus and and James. I can just see Jesus walking out of the tomb and, hey, hey, James, Jesus, I thought, you were, I thought you were dead. I did, thanks, thanks for being there, but, but I'm back. Here I am. Believe me now, son of God. How'd you, uh, how'd you raise yourself from the dead? Well, I counted to three, and then I just kind of got up, and, and now here I am. Uh, so, so you're like the, like the son of God, yeah. Capital G, God? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Well, I'm telling mom. Well, she was there. She knows, right? And so this is the James that we have now. He did not believe, and now he now believes, just like Paul was once lost, is now found, was once blind, but now sees clearly who Jesus is. He sees who Jesus is, and they both write to us with vigor, and they both write to us with this hope that we now confess together. Their words, they seek to move us, to get us going, to live our lives as a response to what it is that Jesus has done for us, and they share it with their words and with their actions. And now James is reminding us, he reminds us how we are to use our words. And words are a huge part of us, aren't they? The average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. One-fifth of their life talking. And that's average. And I know some of you are overachievers. In a single day's words, you can fill a 50-page book. In a year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. So you better be saying something funny, right? And if we aren't speaking, we're more than likely listening. And maybe you're like me and you can count on your hands the number of minutes that you have, with in, have in silence. And if you're parents, I'm pretty sure that number doesn't exist. 
no silence for you. Because if I'm not talking, I'm more than likely listening to a podcast or an album or I'm in conversation with somebody else. Words are a huge part of us. And if we look at our world today, we see that we are communicating more than ever. Whether it's through written word or spoken word, we're always communicating. And so if 20% of our lives is spent talking, you better believe, we better believe that God has something important for us to hear about how we are to use our words. Right? Throughout the book of James, he addresses us how we're to use these words. He has these strong thoughts and feelings on how we are to speak to each other. And if James feels so strongly about that, we have to ask why. And why does he feel so strongly about this? What was said to James? Or what, what did James say to somebody else? Growing up as the son of God, he saw Jesus rise up into his ministry, right? He was the brother of the announced of the dead man and then looked him in the eyes alive. His brother was dead and now is alive. So how many times did James join in with the mocking of those who were yelling at Jesus? And how often did James join in with the crowd? Did he spit hate and did he speak ruthlessly to the king of kings? And how often was he hated on just for simply being the brother of Jesus? He knows the pain words can bring. He knows the suffering the tongue can produce. He knows that what we say matters, that our words have power. Earlier this this month, you guys read in James chapter 1, verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. You knew we were talking about words this morning, so we have to bring this verse up, to be slow to speak. And what a challenge this is for us, isn't it? Yeah? You with me? It's slow. It's hard, right? It is hard to be slow to speak. We are terrible at being slow to speak. The mouth is a trap, and so often we fall right into it. And you're probably better at this than I am, but being slow to speak is not easy for us to do. But our words are not meant to be shots fired out of a cannon aiming to destroy. But like our hands, our words can be used for good. Our words are to be carefully delivered, spoken with purpose. Our words are to be thought of and to be offered gently. How many of you have ever said something that you wish you could take back? If you're married, go ahead and raise your hand. Unless you're a wife, I know my place. Uh, We've not been slow to speak, right? And as a result of that, we've been left wishing we could take it back. We wish we could turn back time and take back what we said to somebody else. But in our mistakes and in our quickness to speak, we, are, we know the power of our words. We know our words can cause pain. We know they can cause heartbreak and, and despair. We know that our words can cause anger, destruction, and, and even death. So we know our words are powerful, especially from this reading this morning. Uh, do you remember the, uh, the, the popular saying you heard uh, on the playground as kids? Uh, no, uh, not you can't play with us. I heard that one, but not that one. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. This is not a proverb. It's not found in the Bible. Solomon did not write this. This is pure garbage, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's complete foolishness. If we look at our world, it's easy for us to see that words matter. Tanner, you keep saying words matter, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's so important for us to know that what comes out of our mouth matters, that our words matter. Every day we hear how the words of one has deeply affected the life of another. If you have the internet, you know that this is true. 
If you've watched the news recently, you know that words matter because what somebody says will affect the life of somebody else. What you say will, ind- will directly or indirectly affect the life of another. And if you've ever ventured into a comment section on the internet, you know just how powerful words can be. Or how many times have you turned on the news to hear how somebody has killed themselves because of cyberbullying or because of what somebody else has said? See, our words are powerful. Our words, our words are powerful. And how many times has the words of somebody else stopped you from being you? How many times has the words of somebody else stopped you from being you or changed the way that you look at the world or a different group of people? See, our words have power. We know that this whole sticks and stones thing is not true because what our mouths produce can sink deep into the hearts and minds of those who hear. Uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I had the, uh, the dad bod, which uh, was kind of weird when I was in seventh grade, but I was a short and stocky kid, kind of a bowling ball uh, with arms and legs and a bowl cut. Um, and uh, I had not yet hit my growth spurt, but I had hit the donuts quite hard, and I was aware of this. I was self-conscious at seventh grade. I wore baggy shirts in an attempt to, to hide myself from the world. Uh, but in middle school, my favorite class was gym. We didn't have books there. It was great. Uh, my least favorite class was also gym, because in order to play, you had to dress out. And uh, one day in the locker room, as I was changing in the corner because somebody had taken the stall, uh, somebody caught notice of the way that I appeared. And uh, if you've ever been in a locker room before, you know that words fire just like bullets, and they do not do well there. And I was called, I was called a fat chipmunk in seventh grade. A fat chipmunk. It's a terribly worded insult. Like, terribly worded, but his words were quick, and they still stick today. And I'm certain that there has been something that has been spoken to you in your life that still affects the way that you move and operate in your life today, something that still affects you because, again, our words, they have power. Words can wound us deeper than any stick or any stone. Writer Seth Godin says this. He says, the whole sticks and stones canard is really dangerous. When a stone gives you a bruise, it's entirely possible you will completely heal, but when a torrent of words undermine your view of what's possible, you might never recover. Words matter. Our words matter. They can open doors, light away, and make a difference. It's dangerous for us to believe that our words don't matter. That our tongue, it's, it's important for us to see that our tongue is the most deadly weapon we have. And we live in Texas, right? But yet our tongue is the most dangerous weapon that we have. James 3.8 says that our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is a fang. And if we're not careful, and if we aren't slow to speak, we can be of great harm to somebody else. And the last thing that we want to be as followers of Jesus is to be a harm or a hindrance or a wall to somebody else. Because our words have great power, we must be slow to speak. And we must be careful with what we say. We have to take care of our words. We have to take care of our words. When I was in high school, I played uh, basketball for an incredible coach. Smart guy, brilliant guy. And, and throughout practice, as we would make our mistakes, mistakes, he would stop us and say, what does it mean to be disciplined? What does it mean to be disciplined? And as a disciplined team, we would stand together and we would say, to do what must be done and to do it that way every time. 
to do what must be done and to do it that way every time. See, our coach knew that every pass, every shot, every dribble, everything that we did on the court, it mattered. Every play, every possession, it mattered. And I think that's something what James is getting at here. To be disciplined disciples, to be disciplined followers of Jesus, to have a disciplined tongue. Taking each word, each sentence seriously, taking care of the words that leave our mouths. James talks about how powerful the tongue is. He compares the tongue to bits in the mouths of horses, the rudder of a ship, and the spark of a fire. I was going to bring in those three objects for us, but I thought that would be too much, especially the horse. Um, But something so small, right, is so powerful. Something so small is so powerful. James in, three, in verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And as a church, as a church, what will come out of our mouths? As a church, what are we going to communicate? What is it that, that you are going to say? What is it that we are going to say? Up until this point, James has only said the word we one time. He said it way back in chapter 1. But in verses 1 through 9, he says the word, the word we six different times. He knows that what we communicate as individuals, we will communicate together as a church. We'll reflect the one that we gather around, the cross that we gather around. Do you remember the song, uh, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love? You don't know that one? Tanner's going to come and play that one? Nope, okay. Um, well, last week, uh, Dr. Dr. Humans spoke uh, about how faith and works go together, how good works are evidence of our faith and how our good works essentially bring heaven to earth. And so last Sunday, you read, faith by itself, if it does not have work, is dead. Harsh language, right? A sentence that makes us stop to self-examine ourselves. See, James is not discounting our language when he talks about our works. And I think the world will know that we are followers, not just because of the way that we live, but by the way that, by the way that we speak, by what comes from our mouths. See, our words are a reflection of our heart. Our words are a reflection of our heart and action of their own. And so if we're gossiping and slandering and boasting, in judging, what are we communicating to the world about the one that we come and gather around this morning? Like our actions, our words will show our faith. Pastor Matt Chandler says, words reveal the progress of our faith. We are communicating what is going on inside of our hearts. And we communicate what's going on inside of our hearts. Uh, James three ten through 12 says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. A few years back, I got to go down to uh, Peru to visit an orphanage, and most of these kids had never been to the beach before. And so one afternoon, we piled into this van, and we drove to the beautiful country of Peru, and we got to the beach, and these kids were so excited. They were ready to get to the beach. Now, I grew up in Florida. I know what a beach is supposed to look like. And we get out, and we walk down to the water, and it's, there's trash everywhere. The water is disgusting. It's dark, and it's murky. And so I grabbed the hand of one of the little girls, and we walked into the water. We waited we waited in, 
And then all of a sudden this, this wave come in, came in and, and she jumped and I jumped and then a cinder block hit me in the leg and, and uh, then we, we turned around because I was almost crying and, uh, and we were walking out and I, I stubbed my toe on a tire and I won't even saw, tell you what I saw float by me. And so we get out of the salt water and the kids are all huddled together and their eyes are red and they are, some of them are coughing up, right? Salt water, not good for us. Like salt water is not good for us. And we were playing in this salt water junkyard, right? But salt water is not good for us. It doesn't taste good. It burns out our eyes. It does not clean us. And it doesn't hydrate us. Salt water and fresh water come from two completely different sources. Just as words of blessing and words of cursing come from two different sources. In the same way, a single mouth should not pour out both blessing and cursing. And the fact that our mouths can do this shows us our brokenness. But a disciplined tongue, a disciplined tongue rooted in Jesus produces salt water. Because what we say, it matters. What we say communicates our heart. See, we cannot speak both love and hate. We cannot speak both gossip and gospel. We cannot speak sticks and stones and then also speak words of life. So what are we communicating to the world? Because I don't think our world needs to hear any more gossip or slander or judgment. But our world needs to hear hope. Our world needs to hear joy and hear words of love. And as a church, our hope and prayer this morning would be that we would set, that we would not set a forest ablaze with our words, but may our words be that of fresh water. That our words would be that of fresh water, an invitation to a place of faith, hope, and love. That we would invite others not into this muddy salt water where your leg will get destroyed by a cinder block, but to a place of rest, a place of love, where they will hear the words of Jesus, where they will hear heaven in our tone, where they will ask questions and wonder why it is that we are speaking this way, why it is that we are communicating a message of hope and love instead of gossip and slander. And I know it's, it's not easy to do. It's not. But God also did not call us to be timid. He called us to be bold with our words. He did call us to speak. And so may our words bring forth fresh water. Because it's fresh water that leads to growth. To the building up of others. Because after all, we get to speak life to each other. You get to speak life to each other. All of us. Right? This is what we have been called to do, to be fresh water for others. See, Christ does not call us to keep quiet. Yeah, slow to speak, but still we are to speak. Because we also get to tell each other who we are. We get to tell each other whose we are, that we are his, the God of the universe. We also get to tell each other who we are. Because our words can do as much good as they can bad, and I pray that our words would do good. What if when I was in seventh grade, I wasn't called a fat chipmunk? What if uh, somebody had said to me, Tanner, you're brave, or, or Tanner, you're unique, or Tanner, keep going. It would have been weird because it was in the locker room, but still. Like, what if, what if we would hand each other trophies with our words instead of putting red marks on each other's lives? What if that was what we woke up to do each day, right? And what if, what if we do that now? What if we tell each other, hey, you're brave, or you are an inspiration, or hey, I believe in you, speaking words of fresh water, speaking words of life into each other, because I think when we do that, I think God is nodding along with us, right? See, vulnerability is built into the DNA of Christianity, and that's hard for a lot of us. I'm a guy, 
right? Being vulnerable is not an easy thing. I also write poetry, so it's a little easier. But being vulnerable for us is not an easy thing, is it? Like if I, if I, if right now I just said, hey, turn to the person next to you who you're not married to and tell them that you're brave or that they're beautiful or that they're wonderful, it would get kind of awkward. I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. See, our words, they can light away in a dark place. Our words can, can build up. They can build bridges and tear down walls. And it sounds like I'm an elementary school teacher up here. I'm married to a third grade teacher, and she comes home and she tells these horror stories of what kids have said to each other in the class or things that she's heard in the hallway. And yeah, it might sound like I'm up here saying, we should say nice things to each other. We should. We should speak words of life to each other. We should speak honest words of love into the lives of the people around us because we can build each other up. We do not have to shrink to speak words whispered by the devil, but we can speak praise and we can speak life and we can speak hope. If we see something that's beautiful, we should speak it. If you see something beautiful in somebody else, you should point it out because when we do this, we are speaking life. We are building each other up. And what happens when we use our words for good rather than bad? And what happens when we speak words of encouragement, truth, and love? We begin to tear down these walls, and we begin to build each other up. And this all comes to us. All of what we're talking about this morning, it comes to us through Jesus, the one who washed us clean, the one who we sang about this morning, the one whose body and blood we will will take part in in a minute. Right? All of this comes to us from Jesus. We look to Jesus to see how powerful and important our words are. The same one who rose somebody from the dead, who rose Lazarus from the dead with his words, who gave the blind sight, who gave people their legs back with his words. And see, Jesus went to the cross for our forgiveness, for the things that we wish we could take back, for the things we wish we had never said, raising in victory over death. And yet on the cross, while hanging there, Dr. Humans brought this up last weekend. While on the cross, while hanging there, between two thieves, he spoke to one of the men and said, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. With nails in his hands, a, cor- a crown of thorns on his head. He had a disciplined tongue, self-controlled, focused on why God, why the Father sent him to earth to speak words of life, to forgive, to give us new life, to make us alive again. Right? It's him who gives us life, just like words can give life to others. And Jesus calls us, inviting us to love God, to love people. And we can love God and we can love people with our words. So may we speak honest words of love. May we understand how powerful our tongue is and that we can do good. We can spread hope by what we say. We can speak life into each other. We can tell each other not only who they are, but whose they are. May this be our focus as we, as we are sent out of here this morning. In his name, amen. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your graciousness. God, we ask that you forgive us for the things that we wish we would have never said. But, but God, we're thankful for what you have said, that you have called us yours, that you have called us chosen, that you have called us forgiven. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we leave this place, that you would help us to tame our tongues, that our focus would be on you and always on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.